Welcome to the Food Issues Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Revelant, and I'm a journalist, healthcare copywriter, and a mom of two. In every episode, we talk about the challenges around feeding kids and give you practical and realistic solutions that will inspire and empower you to raise healthy eaters. Hi, friends. Welcome to the final episode of season five. This has been an amazing season where we tackled everything from how to save money at the grocery store and set up a real food kitchen, plus an episode on the real reason women have breastfeeding pain, which was one of my favorites. During pregnancy, we get information about what to expect and what's safe and what's not and what tests we need. But when it comes to nutrition, providers usually don't give us much to follow. And what we do get is often confusing and may even be misguided. So when you put all this together, you're essentially getting about 225 grams of carbs per day and 100 grams of sugar. So that's something that will create gestational diabetes. That's Amy Aristotelis, a certified nutritionist and the author of The Whole Food Pregnancy Plan and several other books. Amy is also a go-to media expert and has been featured in a variety of outlets, including Health, People, and HuffPost. Amy talks about why the nutrition information we're getting isn't necessarily rooted in science and how that may be contributing to risks during pregnancy. She also talks about everything nutrition during pregnancy, including the nutrients and superfoods to focus on, how many extra calories you actually need, and how to deal with food cravings and morning sickness. There's a ton of information in this episode, and I think it will make you rethink what to eat during pregnancy. I know you're going to love this interview with Amy Aristotelis. Well, Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, why don't we start off? Tell us about your story and your career path and where you know how you work with clients today. Okay. Um, well, I don't really do too much nutrition consulting anymore. That's where it all began um, about 10 years ago. Basically, I got into writing about nutrition uh, because it was just a passion of mine. And uh, pregnancy nutrition was the first topic I ever covered in a book because when I was pregnant, I thought I was getting, in my opinion, bad advice for nutrition from my own doctor. So essentially, that's when I started specializing in um, the pregnancy dietetic area, just because I wanted to um, learn about proper nutrition myself and relay that information to other expectant mothers. And uh, that's basically when I started putting together my information of my own pregnancy nutrition plan that I was following throughout my journey. And this was seven years ago. And it just kind of kept going from there. It morphed from pregnancy nutrition just to general nutrition, weight loss, and ketogenic and gluten-free and so on and so forth. Great. So, you know, we all know that it's important to eat healthy during pregnancy, but I think that some of that message gets lost, especially like you mentioned, when you go to your provider, because they don't really focus on it too much. So why is it important that we eat healthy throughout our pregnancies? I mean, the number one reason is you're, you're growing a baby and you need particular foods with particular nutrients to ensure that your baby grows in a healthy way. Um, first and foremost. And then, of course, we can't forget about the mothers. The moms, um, they need, this is basically the most important time of your life where you're going to need adequate nutrition to make sure that you're healthy as well. 
And um, unfortunately, the United States, it's actually the only developed country where the rate of maternal mortality is on the rise. And this is actually due to um, a plethora of issues that have to just do with something as simple as nutrition, everything like diabetes and obesity and cardiovascular disease. Um, Last, even when your baby's in the womb, you are already training him or her on how to eat. There's a great book called uh, Sugar Proof by Dr. Michael Gorin. And he even talks about how women who are pregnant who eat excessive amounts of sugar, you're essentially predisposing your baby to want want sweet things. Um, That also goes for things like MSG. They can actually taste it in the womb and want it even more. So essentially, you're setting your child up for wanting excessive amounts of sugar or wanting processed foods um, if you start eating that way when they're a fetus. Yeah, that's great. We had uh, Dr. Gorin and um, Emily Ventura on the podcast. Yeah, it was was, um, their research is fascinating. um, And it was so great to have them on. So I'll link to that in the show notes. And also, you know, let's talk a little bit about mental health. So can your diet during pregnancy affect your propensity for developing postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety after you deliver? Of course, of course. There are many key nutrients that um, fend off uh, depression of any sorts and even just lifestyle, getting outside and getting exercise and sunlight Um, We all know when we're eating a healthy diet and we're getting exercise and we're moving our bodies, uh, we just we tend to feel better naturally. So um, not only the physical aspect of growing your baby and keeping your body in physical top shape, it is definitely um, something that's important for the mental as well. Great. And so in your book, you say that nutrition guidelines that are often delivered by doctors and dietitians may actually be contributing to obesity and the gestational diabetes rates that are on the rise, right? So talk to me about that because it's something we don't really hear about. Yeah, I I mean, it's controversial for me to say that. And in the defense of all doctors, I mean, they're busy. They see so many patients per day. Um, They're experts in their medical field, but a lot of doctors don't necessarily um, get trained in nutrition, So a lot of the recommendations that doctors are making are very general. And um, when we really dive into these recommendations, some of them are a little scary. So, for example, when you're pregnant, um, you can possibly develop gestational diabetes just because of the hormonal changes that your body's going through. It can cause you to be insulin resistant. Now, that's not going to be an issue unless you're eating the wrong things, usually. So... My own doctor, she recommended that I eat between six and 11 servings of grains per day. Now, when it comes to things like gestational diabetes or type 2 diabetes, it's carbohydrates and sugar that that basically drive the diabetic issue. So when we know that carbohydrates and sugar cause gestational diabetes and they cause type 2 diabetes, when a doctor says eat six to 11 servings per day, it's a little um, counterintuitive. So I've essentially taken all the guidelines. These guidelines are even on my plate. And this is why doctors are recommending them because they're going to the USDA to look for my plate recommendations. And when you put the recommendations together of um, on the lower end, I did six servings of grains per day. So like cereal, bread, pasta. And then they're also recommending a couple of cups of fruit, and that also counts as fruit juice. 
They're also recommending um, three cups of cow's milk. So when you put all this together, you're essentially getting about 225 grams of carbs per day and 100 grams of sugar. So that's something that will create gestational diabetes. And um, the only way to really to help that situation is to actually lower your carbs, lower your grain intake, lower your sugar intake. So it is, it's all a little frustrating that pregnant women are receiving these guidelines. Yeah. When I was pregnant with my daughters, I, you know, I, I am in this space. I was a health journalist for Fox news writing about nutrition. And so obviously I felt like, okay, they're going to, they're going to really give me a lot of information. I was attuned to it, but I was really surprised for any mom that there wasn't really a lot of information about nutrition. And so why do you think that is? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I got a couple of very general pamphlets, but I mean, so there is some nutrition information, but in my opinion, I think that the nutrition information that we're given is driven by lobbying and the USDA and big food and big pharma. So it's not really... It's not really what is the best for us. It's the fact that the wheat industry has invested billions of dollars into getting their guidelines into these pamphlets. So I think that's actually one of the the, the main issues at hand is we're being fed, no pun intended, bad nutrition based on lobbying. Yeah, yeah. And so women also wonder, they often wonder how many extra calories they need. And I know that it's breaking down by certain trimesters. Can you talk mm-hmm. about that? Yeah. If you're a normal body weight and normal um, means like a BMI of around 18 and a half to 25, you don't need any extra calories in the first trimester. Um, So I know that might be surprising for some. And then two to 300 extra calories in the second and about 350 to 450 extra in the third. So it's really not a lot. If you start off pregnancy being a little underweight, then you might need a little more um, each trimester. And if you start off pregnancy being overweight, you might need a little less. And so what are the key nutrients that women should focus on? Um, I mean, in any diet or any dietary plan, you're going to need a pregnant person is going to need basically the same nutrients that a non-pregnant person is going to need. But of course, there are some superstars Um, everyone always talks about folate. So I think we all need that folate is a big one or folic acid. Now, the interesting thing, and I didn't know this when I was pregnant, the most interesting thing to me about folate is, um, we know we need that for neural tube defects, like to prevent spina bifida, but the neural tube closes three to four weeks after conception. So if a lot of women don't find out they're pregnant until after this, this issue is said and done. So essentially, if you're thinking about getting pregnant or you might want kids in, you know, in the next six months or so, start eating the lentils and the Brussels sprouts immediately. So you have all these stores of folate. So it's just not an issue. Yeah. And do you think they should also take a prenatal vitamin? Um, that, I mean, that one, yes and no. So let me try to explain that. So when it comes to folic acid, you're talking about synthetic folate, um, If you eat, and I think this goes for all vitamins, if you eat proper foods with proper nutrients, they're going to be more bioavailable, meaning that they're going to digest better. 
get, I think getting things from food is always the best. Of course, if you can't get those proper foods and you need to supplement with vitamins, of course, do so. The other consideration to make when comparing naturally occurring folate with synthetic folic acid is that some studies suggest that if you have the MTHFR gene mutation, which occurs in 30 to 40% of the population, you can't properly metabolize synthetic folic acid as well as you can naturally occurring folate. So you might not be reaping all of the benefits of the folic acid if you fall within that gene mutation group. So um, some studies say you can kind of metabolize it. Some say you don't. So it's all up in the air. So I say... um, for the safest bet, just get your naturally occurring folate from foods. But of course, if you can't find it in food or you you just hate that type of food, then one should supplement for sure. What are some other key nutrients that women should need? Um, One of my biggest one is omega-3 fatty acids and specifically DHA and EPA. And you can only find those omega-3 fatty acids in things like wild salmon and seafood and oysters. So um, DHA and EPA, it's critical for fetal eye and brain development. So that one, in addition to the folate, it's going to be one of the biggest superstars. Now, people who don't like seafood, you can always supplement with something like wild salmon oil, or I really love uh, krill oil because krill are little like crustaceans up in the Antarctic, so they have less toxins. Um, One of the only vegan or vegetarian sources of DHA is going to be seaweed, but it's it's not going to be found too abundantly in seaweed. So um, yeah, getting it out of uh, wild salmon, mussels, other low mercury fish is going to be the best bet. Okay. Anything else? Um, Iron, of course, when most women who are pregnant, they're going to um, get some sort of iron deficiency at some point in their pregnancy because the baby is leaching things like iron and calcium. So any sort of iron foods like um, meat or even collard greens. Um, Choline is the other runner up to folate. Choline actually works just like folate does in terms of um, neural tube defects. So that's definitely a good one. And... Um, you know, the immune system is always going to be a little compromised when you're pregnant. So just keeping up on the vitamin C through things like oranges and bell peppers is always beneficial. Yeah. And I think one of the most common questions that women have is what do I need to not eat? So what should they limit or avoid? Um, to me, this is easier said than done, but sugar is a big one. Just like we talked about earlier, the main driver of things like gestational diabetes is going to be too much sugar and too many carbohydrates. So um, laying off the sugar is definitely beneficial. Also, I my book is based on gluten-free nutrition. Now, gluten isn't going to be a problem for a lot of people because only 1% of the population, they have celiac disease, um, maybe up to 10% have some sort of a gluten sensitivity. So we're talking around 90% of the population probably processes gluten okay. So it's not really necessarily the gluten. It's more of what the gluten is associated with. I mean, gluten is going to be found in like your breads and your cereals and your pastas And like I talked about earlier, with all these recommendations of eating six to 11 servings of these grains every day, we're just really overdoing it on the car on the carbohydrates, which is putting people at risk for gestational diabetes, Um, gestational diabetes. It affects up to 10 percent of all pregnant women now in our country. So that's a pretty high rate. 
So I think just leaving out all of these high glycemic carbohydrates, um, including the gluten um, foods. Now, someone might say, okay, what if I get gluten-free? The gluten-free processed foods, it's going to be just as bad for things like carbs and sugar because they're using things like rice flour and potato flour, and that's still going to drive your blood sugar up. So the big ones for me are going to be sugar and too many carbohydrates. Of course, we need some carbohydrates, but I think it's a lot better to get the lower glycemic ones coming from nutrient-dense vegetables and low-sugar fruits because those are all whole unprocessed foods. And what about sushi and lunch meats and coffee? Because that's those are always common ones too, right? Yeah, um, coffee. I mean, the caffeine, the upper limit intake of caffeine from American Pregnancy Association, it's 200 milligrams. Or actually, no, I think they upped it to 300 milligrams. So that's about two cups of coffee. So if you're moderate, you have a cup or two in the morning, it should be okay. Um, things like deli meats with the listeria issue and the soft cheeses, that's an interesting one because listeria can be found in vegetables. It's just, it's not extremely common to get listeria from a lunch meat or a soft cheese. You can, but if we want to talk about getting listeria, you can get it from a lot of things. So, I mean, I don't like lunch meats for pregnancy because of all the nitrates and the additives, but if someone accidentally has a little soft cheese or a lunch meat, I don't think they should be absolutely beside themselves like they're going to get listeria. The sushi thing, um, once again, we're getting into raw fish and salmonella and listeria and those issues. I mean, I know this is controversial. Me personally, I had a little bit of that when I was pregnant. I've been eating sushi, um, I don't know, for 25 years, and I've never had any sort of a raw fish issue. So I would say it's it's unlikely something is going to come of it. But of course, you know, err on the side of caution. If if it makes you feel better to just not go to any of those foods during pregnancy, it, it, you might be you know, more safe. Great. So we're going to take a break. And when we get back, we're going to dive into the best pregnancy superfoods. If you want mealtimes to be easier and less stressful, getting your kids in the kitchen is one of the best things you can do. I know that it's really encouraged my kids to eat their vegetables and try new foods, and it's given them a ton of confidence in the kitchen. But if you don't know how to cook or you don't like to cook, the Kids Cook Real Food eCourse is for you. This course was created by a mom of four and former elementary school teacher, and it's designed to build connection, confidence, and creativity in the kitchen. With Kids Cook Real Food, you'll get more than 30 basic cooking skills, 45 videos, including a ton of bonuses, principal supply and grocery shopping lists, and kid-friendly recipes like Tex-Mex white bean dip and homemade pizza. The course is designed for all kids ages 2 to teen and has three different skill levels. Your kids will learn how to crack eggs, cook rice, make a salad, and safely use knives, the oven, and appliances. If your kids have food allergies or dietary restrictions, no problem because the course has a ton of substitutions. My kids and I have taken the course and it was so easy to follow along that they made an entire recipe on their own. More than 18,000 families have taken the course and the Wall Street Journal named it the number one cooking class for kids. You can sign up by going to kidscookrealfood.com slash food issues. And because you're a listener, you'll get a free lesson. Again, go to kidscookrealfood.com slash food issues and sign up. 
We all know that kids love their snacks, but finding healthy snacks with real food ingredients that are also affordable isn't always easy. That's why I love Thrive Market. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market that makes healthy living easy and affordable. Everything is organic and non-GMO, and members save an average of $32 on every order. My kids really love the skinny dip dark chocolate almonds and Lara bars, especially coconut cream pie. So delicious. Thrive Market also has essential groceries, safe supplements, non-toxic home products, and clean beauty products, plus ethical meat, sustainable seafood, clean wine, and more. If you join today, you can get 25% off your first order and a free gift. All you have to do is go to thrivemarket.com slash food issues where you can sign up and see my favorite items. And for every paid membership, they give a free membership to a family in need. So sign up today at thrivemarket.com slash food issues. All right, Amy, so talk to me about your favorite pregnancy superfoods and what you love about them, why they're good for pregnancy and any kind of fun tips that you've found along the way. Perfect. Um, First and foremost, it's going to be nutrient-dense green vegetables. I mean, that should be the foundation of anyone's diet, really, whether you're pregnant or not. So um, you're going to get all of your vitamins and minerals and fiber and antioxidants. And they're just a really nice, unprocessed way of getting low glycemic, meaning it won't raise your blood sugar and carbohydrates. I know we don't really think of vegetables as carbohydrates, but that's exactly what they are. They're just nice and um, kind of moderate and low glycemic. I also really love the things like wild salmon, uh, low mercury seafood for the reasons we were talking about earlier for the omega-3 fatty acids like EPA and DHA, because you can't get EPA and DHA from most foods and your body can't produce it. So you have to get it from somewhere. And it's one of those most critical nutrients for your baby's eye and brain development. Um, I also like probiotic foods because when you're pregnant, you don't want um, any sort of you know gut bacteria issues. You can be more susceptible to bad bacteria. So eating fermented um, like sauerkraut or kimchi or even kefir is awesome. Also, those fermented vegetables, they have vitamin K2, which can be kind of hard to find. And that's really imperative for your baby's um, development of the lungs and the heart. Um, I also really love low sugar fruits like blueberries and strawberries, just for all the vitamins and minerals and antioxidants and fiber. Um, if you're going to eat meat, which I, I certainly did when I was pregnant, if and it's more expensive, of course, but the grass fed organic is it's really um, beneficial because not only is it going to lower the amount of toxins, but it also heightens the omega three to omega six ratio for the fats. So your grass-fed beef is basically going to be more of like a fat profile that's similar to wild salmon. Um, I also like the nuts and the seeds. Uh, Hemp seeds are one of my favorite things, whether you're pregnant or not. They're just a really good mix of essential fatty acids and protein. Um, Water. Water. Just drink so much water, as much water as you can. And I love quinoa too. It's like a perfect vegan protein. It's essentially, it's, it's a nut, it's, or it's a seed. It's not really a grain. So, um, a lot of people, if they have a gluten sensitivity, they can still have quinoa and it's packed with so many essential nutrients and all of the, um, amino acids for protein. 
And I would say those are those are the key ones, the basic food groups. So one of the biggest issues during pregnancy is women um, dealing with nausea and morning sickness. And so how can they cope with that? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, For me personally, I needed to eat something right when I got up. And I, I hear this is just anecdotal. I don't know if there are really any studies on that, but I hear of a lot of pregnant women who if they eat right when they get up, it just kind of settles their stomach. If they have an empty stomach, they tend to feel more nauseous. Um, other studies show that ginger and vitamin B6 actually do work. That's not anecdotal. So if you have B6 foods like sunflower seeds or hazelnuts, um, even like wild salmon has it, uh, halibut, chicken, dried apricots, raisins, banana, avocado, um, along with ginger, those two things in conjunction can really um, lower your symptoms. Also, um, I also liked fresh citrus, like carrying around little lemon wedges to either smell or just to like um, spray onto my food. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I remember taking vitamin B6 as a supplement during mm-hmm. pregnancy and it was a game changer. I wish they had told me about it in my first pregnancy. Right. <laughs> because, right. Yeah. When you take it, it's just it's like magic. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. it really does work. And what about food cravings and food aversions? How can women deal with those? Yes. Oh, gosh. If I had the answer to that, (laughs) that's, that's hard. I mean, I always say, just try to manage it properly. You're going to have cravings that are going to be extremely hard to forego. So try to satisfy the craving, but put like some sort of a caloric limit on it. My rule of thumb was I allowed myself 200 free calories every single day. It could be anything within reason. So if I wanted 200 calories of ice cream, which is about a half a cup, um, then I would have it just to kind of get rid of that craving. Now, this is embarrassing to say, but once a week I had the big kind of shebang. I would literally get a donut or two. And I don't even know why a box of sour straws. I don't even like that stuff. I never (laughs) have. I, I think I liked it in seventh grade. Um, so I would have a donut and sour straws. It was like my huge craving, but something like that, I allowed myself to do it once per week. So I think the key to cravings is you might have to give in to them because that's the reality of the situation, but make sure it's not all day, every day and make sure you're limiting the portions. So I had, you know, my big, my big tada with the donuts and the sour straws once a week. And then other days, 200 calories leeway of something like sweet or something that I really wanted. And what about foods that kind of turn us off by smell or texture or taste? I mean, I, you know, when you're pregnant, you have a lot going on. You feel different. Your body's going through all these changes. Your mood is going through different changes. If a food just completely disgusts you, then don't force yourself to eat it. I mean, if, and if it's, if it's a very, um, if it's a very nutritious food with a very key nutrient that your body needs, for example, like I'm talking about the fish with the DHA and the EPA, try to get it in a different way. Like try to take a supplement in pill form, just, um, make, make a substitution if you can, or just don't eat it because you, you don't really want to put yourself through something that isn't completely necessary if you're totally turned off by it. Right. Yeah. And another common issue that comes up is, is heartburn and then GI issues like constipation and gas. And so what should women keep in mind to try to manage those or even prevent them? Um, with the heartburn, ginger is also showing to give some relief, just like with the morning sickness. 
Um, also things like pineapple and papaya, they have enzymes in them to help you digest. Uh, drinking lots of water, avoiding spicy foods. Constipation is an issue for a lot of pregnant women. So maybe eating uh, really small meals, going on lots of walks, hydrating as much as possible, eating really fiber rich foods like raspberries and artichoke hearts. Um, that's pretty much, I mean, also if you're supplementing with a prenatal, a lot of these iron pills, they're made of ferrous sulfate, which it's, it's known to cause constipation. Um, so maybe look into getting iron from more natural sources like beef and not taking those pills. So there are a few different ways to go about that. But I mean, at the end of the day, when you're pregnant, you might experience a couple of those issues and they're usually not serious. They can just cause a little discomfort. Yeah. Yeah. I think towards the end, especially as you, mm-hmm. as your belly gets bigger. Yeah. And, and so what are some general guidelines for, for pregnancy nutrition? I think one of the biggest ones is don't, don't eat for two. I know that we've had that saying around for, I don't know how many decades. Oh, you're pregnant. You can eat whatever you want. You get to eat for two. Like we mentioned earlier in the different trimesters, you don't really need a lot of extra calories. So I would just say, listen to your body, eat when you're hungry, stop when you're kind of content. Um, don't overdo it with the, with too many calories, just because we're, we're kind of given this free pass as pregnant women to eat whatever we want. We don't want to do that. Um, another thing is processed foods. It's really, even if you're not pregnant, too many processed foods. I mean, they're just filled with things like very unhealthy oils, like soybean oil. Uh, they're filled with so many additives and preservatives. So they're just really not ideal packaged foods to be eating uh, when you're pregnant. So try to go for just whole unprocessed nutrient dense foods um, within reason of, of calories. And, um, another one, uh, get, get some movement in. I know a lot of people when they're pregnant, they, they don't feel like exercising or they're told that maybe it's a little too dangerous to exercise and you should just be relaxing, but within, um, you know, within reason, you should get some exercise, you know, maybe like a nice 30 minute walk or some light weight lifting or whatnot. Yeah. And also those are all great tips for, you know, when you actually do have your baby and, mm-hmm. and as your children grow up to, to model for them. Exactly. And so in your book, the whole food pregnancy plan, talk to me about your favorite recipes. Okay. Uh, let's see here. So breakfast, I really love the avocado, sweet potato toast. So essentially it's like avocado toast, but instead of a piece of toast, it's like a plank of roasted sweet potato. So that with the sweetness of that and also the nutrients in the sweet potato compared to a processed piece of bread, you're getting like vitamin A and beta carotene and all the antioxidants and vitamins and minerals. And it accompanies the mashed avocado really well. And then a soft boiled egg on top. Um, For lunch, I'm definitely not a vegan, but I love the vegan protein bowl with tahini dressing. It's just a really fun and delicious way to get a lot of produce in during the middle of the day. And then dinner, I still, to this day, I make this probably at least twice a week. It's the Easy Bake Lemon Butterfish, just because it's literally 10 minutes to make a delicious piece of seafood. And it's so simple. Anyone can do it. It's like four ingredients. And I have to say, um, the honorable mention goes to the lactation breakfast shake. So women who want to breastfeed, they, a lot of them, they're recommended lactation cookies just because the cookies have a little bit of brewer's yeast in it. 
and brewer's yeast. Um, I think there's some studies, but it might be more anecdotal that it gets your breast milk going. So instead of eating a processed cookie with all of the bad oils and the sugar, because they actually make these now in the supermarket, you can make a lactation breakfast shake with the brewer's yeast and banana and oats and uh, flat seed and cacao nibs and all sorts of really good stuff. Ooh, that's a great idea, especially you don't have time to make breakfast. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's great. Well, Amy, this was so much fun. Tell me where listeners can go to learn more about you and your work. All of my books are under my name on Amazon and um, including the whole food pregnancy plan and the other books have to do with ketogenic uh, nutrition. So it's pretty much um, just books on Amazon and that's about it. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. All right. Thank you. I love chatting with Amy Aristoteles. Be sure to pick up a copy of her book, The Whole Food Pregnancy Plan, and check out her other books, which I've linked to in the show notes. If you're enjoying food issues, I'd love it if you could take 30 seconds and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode and I'll see you next season.